appreciate you being identifying me as dirty, muddy, different, whatever that may be. We'll try. Okay. Just a couple personal thoughts this morning before we dive into God's Word. And one is just my wife is here, Nancy in the red. And uh, she, that doesn't sound quite right. She's wearing a red outfit today. She's not in the red. But <laughs> met her in ninth grade in uh, Minnesota and then eventually got married. And now we're coming in into 47 years of marriage this year. So I appreciate her support during all these years of, of ministry. And remember, even though I was a chaplain, I was in ministry, all right? So I also want to do something else this morning. I want to know if there's any, ch any children here who can read who are like 10 and under. I see some of the younger ones went away, but if you're 10 and under, anybody in that category this morning? Ten, raise your hand. Just stay. Would you mind standing? If you're 10, go ahead and stand. If you're 10 or under, and you can read. Okay. And so, oh my goodness, you got quite a few folk here. So I may be in trouble on this one. I may have to, I may have to come back and give Dave. What I have is, I found in some of my things that we have some Army New Testaments that I thought might be interesting just to give out because I want people to think about and pray for chaplains and people in the military when you read the Bible and pray. So I, want, I have five of these to give out, but I can get more. All right? So that's what I want to tell you, Dave. We can get more. So you two, like, would you like one each? Would you? Just one to me. Okay, okay. There one. Would you like one? Okay, one for you. And who else over here? Would you like one? Can you read? Okay, good. That's good. Okay, one for you. And I'm assuming you can read too. Okay, one for you and one for you. And there's some others who are standing. How many more raised their hands? I didn't see how many more we need. Well, one, two, three, four, five or so. Okay, six. Oh, my goodness. All right, well. I've got my task cut out for me. I don't have any more with me. I didn't think there'd be that many here. So pardon my lack of optimism. But we'll get some more. We'll get some more to your pastor that are pretty close to that, okay? All right, he can hand them out. I did appreciate getting to meet some of the men yesterday at the retreat. Um, you've got a lively group. I learned quite a bit about board games at the retreat. And uh, also heard some wonderful stories. Stories about what, you, what you, some of you men are doing, stories about your, some of your past, some of your military experiences, some of your current experiences and your jobs, and I find that always fascinating because there's always a story behind every single face. And I often tell churches, Pastor, that I think a great church retreat would simply be getting together and having people share some of the stories in their life that have been influential, how God Maybe give them one particular key story and share that. Because we miss some of those stories because we don't talk to each other enough. And there's never enough time to do things like that. And really, it's some, I, had, I had a few of those moments with some of you, and I appreciate that. My only disappointment coming here this morning, guys, is that I don't see any corsages on the ladies' clothes this morning. I just, I just don't see that. Just kidding. All right, just kidding. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in a place where the word of God can be freely proclaimed. Nobody's pounding at our doors. Nobody's trying to scoot us out of here because we know those things are happening in other places in the world. So Father, thank you for placing us in a country that has that freedom, but also freedom to proclaim Christ in other ways 
and opportunities to send out the gospel to other countries as well because of our wealth and our creative people. We thank you for this lighthouse here in Leesburg and pray that you might your blessing and favor up beyond this church as they plan and develop and trust you. Lord, may people come to know Jesus as a result of this church and this place. Bless the word of God today, Lord. May my words be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin, I want to read a couple of things to you, and I want just to see how many of you agree with this, all right? And so what I'd like is just a little bit of response with maybe a, a hand raise and see if you like what I am about to read to you, all right? So, God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so is neither God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Okay, that's paragraph one. I'll read the first part again just so you can mull it over because I know I'm surprising you. God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. All right? I'll ask you what you think about that after I read the second paragraph, which is this. God, the great creator of all things, does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Just to highlight one more part of that, God, the great creator of all things, does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, all actions, all things. All right? How many of you agree with that? Good. I suspected such. However, thank you, there might be some who aren't sure about the allness of those two paragraphs, taken from the Westminster Confession of Faith, which, as most of you know, is your statement of faith for this church and our denomination. I remember not too long ago, I was reading, reading, uh, going over one of these chapters, which is chapter 3 and 5, by the way, and a woman came up to me and said, or was talking to me, she said, I just, I just, I just can't believe that. I just can't believe that. I mean, he's not involved in everything. He doesn't uphold all creatures, all actions, and all things. She really struggled with, with that and just simply said she wasn't sure she could believe that. Well, and maybe that is hard to believe for some folk. For There are some folk, on the one hand, who don't believe God's involved at all in, in people's lives. Isn't that true? And yet there are others like us who think God is intimately involved. This is important, I think, especially in a season of America and season of politics in which it's very easy to be discouraged. Part of my, I volunteer, I'm part of an organization called Chapman Alliance for Religious Liberty, and we wrestle with religious liberty issues on the Hill that relate to chaplains in particular, because we want them to continue to enjoy the freedom that, that they have had and, and currently continue to have, and we hope will happen in the future. 
But as many of you know, the religious liberty issues are popping up in many other places, and especially have popped up since the repeal of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell decision in Congress. Ten years ago, if I'd thought the issue of homosexuality would affect religious liberty, I wouldn't. I would just go, oh, whatever, you know, I, don't, I, I wasn't paying attention. But it's very discouraging to see that here the, about the challenges that are out there. It's discouraging to hear about stories of some of our enlisted folk and some of our commanders in the military who, um, most recently, a young Marine was demoted two ranks, kicked out of the Marines because they said she disobeyed a direct order because she had a verse taped to her computer screen. Now, there's always more to the story, and that's actually now under litigation uh, because we think some people didn't have a good understanding of what it means for free exercise. But that's discouraging, isn't it? And you wonder, you wonder, is God really, is God really in charge of all creatures and things? Is he really? And you begin to think, well, what if somebody elected president that, that I just couldn't stand? Well, then what am I supposed to say about that? God involved in that as well? And you add some of these things up and you see the morals changing in our culture and you see some of the decisions that are being made by many of our younger folk and older folk as well, and you just, it's easy to get discouraged. So, my hope this morning is that maybe just to address a little bit of what is the perspective under which you are living as you live out your Christian life? Is there something I could say to you that might, might be somewhat encouraging to you? And I'm hoping this might be true, looking at one little verse from the Bible that actually has a lot of other tentacles to it. And that's found in Proverbs 16. So would you turn to Proverbs 16 for me? And we'll look. And you'll see where I'm headed with this. In Proverbs 16, 1, we read this. So I'm just going to read verse 1 through 9. The plans of a heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even for the wicked, for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little righteousness with great revenues than great revenues with injustice. And the verse for today, the heart of man plans his way. Some translations say, the heart of man plans his course, or makes his plans, but the Lord establishes his steps. How many of you like surprises? Just change the subject a little quickly. Like surprises? Okay. How many of you like nice surprises? Yeah, a few more hands go up when I ask it that way, because I realize there are surprises that are nice and some surprises that aren't so nice. So, for example, I, tell, I, I like to say when my, my wife does not like it when I stand behind a door at night and then jump out and say, surprise! You know, she does not like that kind of surprise, I guarantee it. 
But she does like a surprise if I, without any anniversary, birthday, whatever, present, she would like, she does like it when I bring home some flowers for her now and then to grace our table. She likes that kind of surprise. You maybe can think about some surprises that are special to you in both categories, but most of us like nice surprises. And why not? You know, and also I was thinking about surprises the other day and thinking about this. I like a good joke. I don't have any for you because I'm a terrible joke teller. But what is a joke? A joke is a surprise. It's going this direction, maybe, this little story, and all of a sudden, wham, it ends up this way, and you just end up laughing. And that's what a joke is. It's a surprise. And, and life is full of surprises, isn't it? Because you and I have no idea what's coming next, do we? We have no idea what's coming next. You have no idea what's going to happen when you leave this parking lot or leave this room today. Agreed? We have no idea. Only God knows the future, and he knows. But the catechism or confession comments that I read today give us the teaching that God is involved in all of our life. And this little verse has come to mean a lot to me, and I share it a lot with chaplains and those coming into the military too, because I want to help them be prepared for the surprises of life. That's why I call the sermon Surprise. I want you to be prepared for all the surprises of life because they all stem from a powerful, sovereign, intimately involved God. Now, I've taken this little verse, and you have to be careful with Proverbs because not all Proverbs are meant to be deep theological verses and treatises and so on, but I I see four things in this verse that I want to share with you this morning that I think are are kind of critical and a little bit important to help us understand this. The first phrase is, the phrases, the, the four parts are very simple. It's in his heart, a man plans his course or makes his plans, but, but the Lord determines his steps. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps, directs his steps, all right? That's the outline if you're taking notes today. And the first part of this, I think, is an important thing to consider. And when it comes to the heart of man, Bible has a lot to say about the heart. We're not going to spend much time on that today, except to say this, that when you put all the passages in the Bible together about heart, you read things like this. Let not my heart incline to what is evil. David said in Psalm 141. The Lord detests the proud of heart. In this same chapter, by the way, we just read. Proverbs 15 Verses 13, 14, and 30 talk about a happy heart, a discerning heart, and a joy to the heart. The Bible also says in Proverbs 16, 21, the wise in heart are called discerning. In verse 23, a wise man's heart guides his mouth. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He also said at one time, didn't he have some others, that their heart is far from me. Jesus said in Luke 18, 15, the seed fell on good soil and stands for those with a noble and pure heart. This word heart just pops up all through the scriptures. And there's a positive side to the heart and a negative side to the heart. Paul says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. May he grant you to be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your heart. First Samuel 13, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, 
he said to Saul about King David. Psalm 37, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Heart's a big word in the scripture, and it can be interpreted and, and uh, in different ways, and it might mean the actual literal heart beating in your chest, or of course it could mean your soul, your persona, who you are. And the Bible warns us that there ought to be a concern for your heart. The unbeliever's heart is far from the Lord, and the Bible simply calls it, in one place at least, a stone. Not much can happen with a stone. But being a Christian is when God comes along, takes out that stony heart, and gives you a heart of flesh, right? And that changes everything about you. And this is only to say, I only mention these things because the Solomon says here that the heart of man plans his way. And isn't that true? Out of your heart comes some of the big decisions of your life as to who you are. Out of your heart will come a proposal to someone marry you. And when Nancy asked me to marry her, I didn't have to think too twice. Oh, see, I didn't say that right. Uh, I quickly said yes, but isn't it true? When you're thinking about marrying somebody, you are contemplating this and thinking about it, and your heart is overflowing with feelings and emotions and maybe hormones, and, and you're trying to wonder how they'll put this all together, and you pray, Lord, help me make the right decision, and you, your heart is involved. Your heart can maybe be involved when deciding on a college to go to or a career to build and so on. And you want to have your heart in it. But we also know we have to guard our heart because out of it comes evil. Our confession also reminds us that we have to struggle with what it calls, at least seven times, corruption, remaining corruption in our hearts. So I think this passage is a good passage just for a person to maybe even do a little study and think about the heart because Solomon's saying the heart of man, out of our heart, we make plans. And the Bible doesn't, doesn't say a lot about plans, actually. It doesn't say, and so Moses planned to do this. We know he did have plans. But, you know, it doesn't say a lot about that. But the Proverbs, even in this passage, says the plans of the heart belong to man. Commit your work to the Lord, your plans will be established. So there's a real suggestion, isn't there, that a planning is a good idea. And I think, humanly speaking, we, we do that. Kind of intuitively, we do that. I don't think dogs plan or cats plan, parakeets plan, but people plan. And so we try and guide our children to making good plans. Okay? We plan schedules for them to get their homework done and encourage them to create a good plan for that. We talk about being plans for career progression and so on. My youngest son is in the Air Force. We were just shocked one day when, uh, I think it was ninth grade, and he came home, uh, being the only studious one of our four, and he came home and said, I want to go to Harvard. And we thought, sure, right, go to Harvard. What he meant was, I want to go to a good place and make a a plan for that, and, and we thought, well, go for it. Um, and he did. Still amazes me to this day that he did, that he purposed, he realized if he was going to go to a good school, he would need to have some basic things in his life, right? Good grades. Maybe have a good high school resume. And put together, he put together a plan without our help. I, I, I was tickled to see that happen with our youngest son. And so he, was, he planned then. He was not an athlete. Just to tell you a story. 
I've got two sons, and um, my oldest son is quite the athlete. He's kind of a jack of all, of all sports and master of none, but he's good at anything he does. My youngest son literally did, never wanted to play catch. He didn't want to go out and throw basketball hoops. If we tried to play catch with the three of us, we'd have to drag him out of the house. You're going to play catch now. I don't want to play catch. Well, come on, we're going to go out and play catch. And so we'd, we'd throw the ball, and he'd, he'd let it, literally let it drop behind him and then walk over and get it. And, you know, it was that, it, so after a while, there was not much point in doing athletic stuff with Darren because he just didn't like athletics. But in ninth grade, he began to plan. And I'm making the story too long, but he, he planned to go out and he planned to go out for cross country to start his athletic career. Vomited every single time he ran, every race for a year. He ended up being a three-letter guy at school. He ended up in his junior year declaring to us he was going to the Air Force Academy. And that's what he, and he did. He, he planned. He made plans. Maybe you have made similar plans. My only point is this, that people are, we are intuitively want to make plans. And a Christian, of course, wants to make plans to please the Lord. So I say to people, thinking about this verse, I say, look at it. If you're going to make plans, match your heart with the Lord's. Match your heart with the Lord. Does you, are you have a heart of God in this planning? Are you making plans with Him in mind? That could do with planning a new house or a new business or a, finding a new friend. What plans are you making to match your heart with the Lord? And then go ahead and make your plans. And I say to you high school students here today, I'm hoping that you will be somebody who will make, as a Christian, big plans. Plans to change the world. Don't make little plans. Make big plans. Plan to do something that you can change the world where God might favor you and make big plans after you, of course, match your heart with the Lord's. And only those, only that person who has given his heart to Jesus can make plans to please the Lord. Only somebody who's asked Jesus, as we say in our evangelical circles, to come live in our heart, can you do this? But I think the first part of this verse gives us thoughts like that. So, match your heart with the Lord, whatever age you are. I'm still making plans. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I retire from this job, but I, I want to serve the Lord until I die. But I'm not sure what those plans will be, but I am making some plans. I'm hoping my heart, try, purposing to match my heart with the Lord in that process. And I think this little verse of Solomon puts us that direction. But then there's the third part of this verse, which is really important but the Lord. I'm going to give you a quick story. So I was, grew up in a home of a veteran, World War II. I thought it would be wonderful to serve my country someday, maybe. And I was, I'm a Vietnam era person. And the lottery, draft lottery came out. I had a low number, 55. Anybody had a number of 100, 100 or whatever was going to go someplace far away from home. And so I thought, well, okay, if I've got my lottery number, I'm going to go somewhere more than likely. I'm happy to go, not necessarily to Vietnam, but I will serve my country. I want to follow my dad's footsteps. And so I said, okay, I'll join ROTC, and then I'll become an officer, and I'll go to Vietnam uh, or wherever the Army wants to send me as an officer. And so I did, only to be kicked out halfway between my sophomore and junior year. Now, it wasn't because of moral failure or anything like that. Uh, they might have looked at my grades, I'm not sure. But what happened was they went to get a physical. 
You have to have a physical between your sophomore and junior year. Maybe then you get a scholarship in ROTC. And I took that, and everything was hunky-dory, because I'd never had any physical issues or problems. And they came in one day, and they said, Cadet Lee, the commander wants to see you, and yes, sir. And Cadet Lee, sorry to tell you, you can't be in the military. Whoa. What? Yes. Why? Well, your x-ray and physical showed you've got a congenital defect on your fifth lumbar vertebrae. That's your lower back, in case you're wondering what that is. I was just dumbfounded because I, I, I played hockey, we, we skied, you know, did sports, and, and, and nothing ever, I never had no problems with that, and I was too dumb and green to ask for a waiver or get a second opinion, you know. It was like, okay, I guess I can't be. But I do remember how, what a shock it was, maybe my first adult surprise. My plans were being made from my heart, really wanted to serve my country. And all of a sudden, this thing comes into play, and I was kicked out of ROTC. From your heart, make your plans, but the Lord. Now, of course, you know there's more to that story, but what happened then? Well, then I had to figure out, what do I do now? Well, that led to a whole series of other surprises, not the least of which was Nancy saying she would marry me a couple of years after that. That led to a year on Campus Crusade staff when they were developing their music ministry, and they asked me to come and be part of a traveling group with Campus Crusade. By the way, I really enjoyed playing with Dave and some others uh, for our Presbytery meetings, and uh, yesterday, this weekend, I had my, my base, and that was always fun. So, I, Dave, thank you, wherever you are, for including me in your in music. I really appreciate that. But that, if I would, if I'd gone and stayed in ROTC, gone to Vietnam, who knows if I'd have come home? And number two, who knows what else would have happened? But as it was, that but the Lord changed a few things, and one of them was including my wife. Another part of that story was that we were looking for a place for a honeymoon. And we were dirt poor, really poor, had zero money. But a friend of ours had traveled through Europe and said there was this cool place we should check out, maybe for a honeymoon. And some of you will know the significance of this story. So we ended up spending three months on our honeymoon at a place in Switzerland called Labrie Fellowship with Dr. Francis Schaefer, who, surprise, was going to be a huge influence on our lives. That led to seminary. We only went to seminary because we thought maybe we'd be lay missionaries because David and David, David and David, I didn't want to be a minister. I, I thought ministers were irrelevant in those days. They had odd wives and strange cars. I didn't want to be a part of the <laughs> ministerial world. That's not true anymore, by the way. But I honestly did not want to be a reverend. I wanted to be a lay missionary, maybe a parachurch type person and and I, we thought maybe we should get some theological training. And so we asked Dr. Schaefer where he thought we should go. And he said, well, there's this Covenant Seminary, or Westminster Seminary, or Trinity. And then they found out he was part of this group called Reformed Presbyterian Church that owned Covenant College and Seminary. Well, it's good enough for him. It's good enough for us. We went to go for a year. But surprise, they had prerequisites. 
I could go on with the surprises that have happened in this whole thing, but the end of that particular story is that at the end of the time, guess what? I became a reverend. That was a huge surprise. I didn't want to be a reverend, but God had other plans. I had my plans to be missionaries maybe in Europe because my wife had been a foreign exchange student, and we, but all of a sudden I found myself in a parish ministry. I had my plans from my heart, but the Lord directing my steps. You're going to eat lunch here, most of you today, but one, one thing I was thinking, it'd be great if you went home today and talked to your kids and asked them, how many people can you identify in the Bible that have had a but the Lord surprise in their lives? You can scan the scriptures right now and come up with at least half a dozen, I am sure. Two prominent ones for me, although there are many others, would be Joseph, who had incredible surprises as he was just minding his own business and his brothers grab him and get jealous of his coat and put in a cell and taken off to another place. You know, and on, prison, on it goes. But at the end of the story in Genesis 50, what does he say to his brothers? You meant all that for evil, but God meant it for good. What an attitude. I always am amazed at that verse. To think what he went through and gave praise to God who doth uphold all people and things. Right? Raise your hand. All things. Another person that is prominent, that um, is clearly was surprised, was a little teenager named Mary. Was she ever surprised? Was Joseph ever surprised? What was he going to do now? What's going on here? You can imagine all the questions he might have had as an engaged guy to this woman. But evidently, God gave him some faith and encouragement and trust, and he, he weathered that storm and, and married her and so on. You know the rest of the story. Surprise. So this verse also then reminds us that when the Lord interrupts our lives with about the Lord, He's got a sovereign reason for all this. He's got a plan for you. Because He doth uphold all things and all people. He does it with a mighty sovereign hand that we can hardly comprehend. And that's why later on in one of those Westminster chapters that reminds us to take care of this doctrine of providence and predestination. It's a, it's a mysterious thing, nonetheless true. Trust the Lord. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. When we make our plans and things don't go the way we think they're going to go, that can be very discouraging to us. And I've met professing Christians who simply can't handle the negative surprises that may come their way. Maybe you've met them too. We've met a few older Christians who really were all were used by the Lord in their lives, but when it comes to the end of their lives, they are crabby and they can't they just can't seem to accept what's happening to them and and about young or old, it happen it can happen to all of us. And you wonder if they really understand this sovereign God who upholds all things or not. Most of God's surprises, I would say, maybe you'd agree with me, are positive surprises spouse, children, 
a nice job, a nice home. Many of you, like us, never dreamed we might be in a home we're in right now. And growing up, many of us can't imagine making the money we're making. Some of us can't imagine not making any money right now. I mean, who knows what surprises are there. But God's surprises are mostly incredibly positive. And in the end, they're all positive. But I remember experiencing in our own lives when um, my older son had to get out of the military. I was talking to David about this because they discovered he had serious food allergies. A lot of things from his youth began to make sense to us as we realized this had happened. He was kicked out of the army while his unit was on its way, the first unit on its way to Afghanistan after 9-11. He was just kicked out. It just was a complete blow to him. And that led, though, to some education the army paid for, the government paid for, which was good. But then they had a, a child, a well, a wonderful, beautiful child. He was now 14. And they had a second child whose name was Linnea. Something was wrong with Linnea. We could tell. And sure enough, it was a horrible disease called spinal muscular atrophy. The neurons don't get to the muscles, and so the body just wastes away. We have a friend, a PCA teaching elder friend who has a son who's now 21 who has SMA, and the boy has never been able to move anything other than his eyes, and they've been caring for him his whole life. Was that a surprise? Yes, it was. Was Linnea illness a surprise to us? Indeed it was. A genetic thing with my Scandinavian son, and our Chinese daughter-in-law, out of the blue. They had their plans for education, having normal children. That didn't work out. They eventually moved up with us when we moved to Virginia, and she died in our home. Now, let me tell you something. We didn't plan on outliving any of our grandchildren. Who does? But we did have to accept this with something from a loving Sovereign God who doth uphold all people. Didn't we? We had, we had to. It's not been easy. And their third child has the same disease, by the way. And that's why we moved from Virginia to Maryland to give them support. Because little Emily is now 10, mostly due to their amazing care from their parents, her parents. But the other oldest child needs some assistance like with school, transportation, stuff. And they have a little three-year-old who's completely well. We moved up there to help take care of them. That was a bit of a surprise for us. Anyway, I suspect if we had time, I would hear stories in this congregation of some of those kinds of stories, too. Who can plan for illness or tragedy striking? Is that all part of, under God's sovereign hand and plan? Is it? Yes, it is. Is it easy to cope with? Not always. And the tragedies can be especially, especially difficult. I know some of you have lost spouses in this congregation and other things as well, jobs. Yet, I think one of the comforting things about being in the Reformed faith, if I could just add a personal note, because I did not grow up in the Reformed faith. I was totally opposite. If you know the theological language, Arminian, Dispensational, Baptistic, I didn't, I was just opposite. But God surprised me with Dr. Schaefer and Covenant Seminary in there. But um, all his surprises 
are from his powerful, loving hand. When I then became a pastor, I uh, first went to Florida for my first church, then to Seattle. And while in Seattle, I was looking for a way to be more engaged in the community. What does a pastor do? Maybe school boards or rotary clubs or, you know, create your own whatever, community Bible study. Some way to be more involved in the community there. We were involved in the pro-life movement for one thing. And, and, uh, and one of my buddies who was a Vietnam vet but now a chaplain said, well, why don't you check out the reserve chaplaincy? I said, Steve, I can't. I have a congenital defect in my fifth lumbar vertebrae. No one's going to take me. They said I can't be in the military. And he said, well, you should check it out anyway. So I did. I checked out the Air Force, Navy, and Army. And wouldn't you know, a unit, the closest Army Guard unit to my church, needed a chaplain. And let's just say, they didn't care what was on my record before I raised my right hand. (laughs) And I became a chaplain. I'm still shocked today even to think about it. I could not be. My plans were to be in some other ministry and, and place. And all of a sudden, I found the army accepted me. And that led then to 31 years in uniform. That was a wonderful sovereign surprise. And by the way, I call this verse my sovereign surprise verse. It's just there are others like it, but I love what it directs me to think about here. And that no matter what events come my way, there's a personal loving God who captured me, sought me, redeemed me, adopted me, and he's got a plan and knows all about me. And he may interject about the Lord in there somewhere in my life, as he has, because he's the one that's directing my steps. I hope that's comforting for you parents that are out there. As you're thinking about your children and what's going to happen to them, do you believe a sovereign God's got his hand on them? Do you believe that when you have them baptized? Do you believe if you're going through difficult times right now that God maybe maybe has his hand on you and he's doing something else greater than you can imagine right now? So I would say to you this morning as we think about this verse, you know, match your heart with the Lord's. Whatever you do, Match your heart with the Lord's. Good for fathers, husbands to think about, wives, moms. Whatever you do in parenting, match your heart with the Lord's. Make plans. Make them big. Make plans to change the world. Make plans to have your family change the world. But remember, there's a but the Lord in there. And you would not be the only one to experience a but the Lord. For he is determining our steps. So in a world where the political frustrations mount for me and the frustrations of that, when I'm thinking about the damage to religious liberty that has taken place in our country, I think about the people who are trying to establish atheist chaplains in the military, when I think about those kinds of things, I can get really negative and frustrated. So folks, I'm preaching to myself. In that kind of a world, where the temptations for our children are ever greater and mounting, where the internet itself is just a, can be a powerful tool of Satan and for good, we have to remember a verse like this. God is on the throne. And let me read that one last little phrase for you from chapter 5 of our confession. 
God, the great creator of all things, does uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things. Amen. Father in heaven, direct our thoughts to you as life comes at us. We're grateful for your kindness and love in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.